when we talk about wireless meets digital uh, and convergence, uh, if someone would ask you, Robert, to say quickly a few words about, uh, you know, in your opinion, where is the best opportunity in that space, what would you tell them? Wow. <laughs> that's, that's tough because uh, I study uh, innovation. Like, when Twitter came out in 2006, everybody around me thought it was the lamest thing that they had ever seen. So if, you, if, you, if I predicted in 2006 that Twitter would become interesting, nobody would listen to me. <laughs> and right now I'm using, I just checked in with this thing called Foursquare, which is a location-based game. And most of my friends right now are saying that's the lamest thing I've ever seen. So in three years, I think something like Foursquare with location uh, is going to be very interesting. So location is one place that the, the industry is watching very closely. That metaphor of Facebook, Twitter, the social networks is continuing to be white hot. Uh, Facebook has 1,100 employees in less than five, five years. Twitter has 150 employees now. And those are the kinds of companies that I'm watching and are growing very, very rapidly. Okay. Good. So um, I'd say uh, so. I know, Saul, that uh, we had a brief conversation two days ago when you arrived in Vancouver. And uh, uh, your space is not really wireless, but you're thinking of going in wireless. Maybe you can tell us uh, why is that? Sure. Um, how many people here use computers? <laughs> Anybody? Oh, everybody. Okay, great. How many people use wireless, smart wireless devices? How many people use this instead of computers? Mm -hmm. A couple. Uh, my predict, you know, if you want to ask me what my prediction is, in, in a few years, we'll all be using these things <coughs> instead of computers for most things, not for everything. There are going to be still things that you're not going to want to use this for. Um, so when you think about convergence and where technology is going, um, I, I think that the, the wireless landscape is, is open, open space. Um, there are a lot of things that are happening right now, but there's a lot of things that need to happen in order to make it um, the device that you will use for, for the most part. So that when somebody comes along in a few years and says, how many of you are using computers? You know, very few of you will be raising your hands because when they ask you the next question, how many of you are using this instead of a computer? most of you will right so I actually you know it depends on the marketplace you're in too because here we all have computers but there's billions of people Absolutely. who have never seen a computer in the Absolutely. world before and this is going to be or something <coughs> like this is right. going to be their first device already on is. the internet already is yeah, so yeah as as we look at at what's happening in the world you know as an entrepreneur um somebody who's been an entrepreneur for 20 years um you know i think about where can i make money in you know, next, and the thing that I'm looking at is, is in the wireless area. I think there's a, I mean, my, the thing that, that Michael and I spoke about is a particular idea that I have that has to do with e-publishing. There's a tremendous uh, uh, battle shaping up between Apple and Amazon, uh, soon to be joined by Google, over how we're going to be reading books and magazines and everything else that we consume today in print. Right? and not in print. And, and that's an area that I personally want to, uh, I've been thinking about a lot and I'm thinking about getting involved in. I'm going to um, reserve the right not to tell you what the idea is, because <laughs> that's what an entrepreneur <coughs> is. Right? We've got to keep it secret for a while. But, uh, but I, th I do think there are a lot of opportunities in the e-publishing world right now, and, and that's the area of focus that I'm going to be looking at. Cool. Doug, uh, 
if you were to do something in convergence, I mean, you are doing already, uh, you know, games uh, uh, and, and all that, and you're thinking about uh, digital media and uh, the gaming theory and wireless, but uh, uh, what's, uh, what do you see the opportunity in the next uh, two to three years uh, for uh, breakaway and in your space uh, working with the defense in the <coughs> Yeah, um, I mean, we've, we've come out of the games business doing entertainment titles and uh, <coughs> really moved into doing, you know, what a lot of people refer to as serious games and, and taking game technology and applying it to education, to training. Uh, and, you know, for us, that's, that's a huge growth area. Uh, and that's, you know, what we're seeing convergence is where um, sort of what would be seen as separate verticals cross together. And you take the game technology, you know, the games business developed um, development <laughs> skills, they developed technology, and a lot of things that were clearly focused at the commercial home market. Um, and then suddenly people began to realize that, that the things they had created, both the technology and the processes, were really valuable in other areas. Training um, and education you know, being obvious um, areas there. As that converges, you know, so much of things, you know, we um, see things going forward that, that, you know, if you have to pay for a building for school, um, then suddenly the return on investment of, of doing things remotely, it becomes so much more um, affordable. And just-in-time learning of, you know, do we really have to, you know, put people in a classroom, train them, and then have them go work, or can we actually begin to have the infrastructure for, you know, to, to train them as they need to be trained, whether that's <coughs> their their employer providing that training or just the educational system in general. So the convergence with wireless is really not just about wireless and digital media, but it's actually technology empowering the ways we do things. Um, one of the great examples um, I read years ago was, you know, the airplane was invented early, you know, in, in the last century. And if you had gone 30 years out, as we are now from the, you know, the real invention of the, the computer, then you looked at the business models, then barnstorming and, you know, flying your planes and, you know, charging people to go up for a ride would have been the business models that made sense. That was the only place that anyone was making money in aviation. It took 50 to 70 years from the invention of the airplane until what we today see as sort of the airline industry began to, to take shape. And I think that's true with computers. You know, the, the early things that we've seen done with computers are the equivalent of barnstorming. Um, where, you know, it's just, you know, um, hot dogs flying around and entertaining people. Uh, and as, as computers now just become part of the infrastructure of our lives, um, it's going to change everything, the way we train, the way we communicate. And that's really what convergence is about, is not what's the next technology um, trick that we can do to show people something, but the, the entrepreneurs that will make money will look at society and say, what are the ways that society will change because of the technology? Anticipate that and, mm -hmm. and build out that infrastructure. Perfect. Thank you very much. So the next uh, uh, question would be for uh, Chris Langdon from TELUS. Uh, Chris just returned from uh, the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. And uh, I would ask Chris, uh, uh, in, in five days of meetings and, and uh, looking at the show, uh, have you seen something major in the convergence area between digital media and wireless? And how is Canada positioned to kind of take advantage of that? 
So yeah, I just came back from Spain and uh, the weather was actually worse than it was here. <laughs> but uh, some interesting things. So I, I don't think there was anything completely uh, breakthrough that was happening. It was more a further and deepening of already established trends. So there was definitely from a, it's a carry-oriented conference with lots of application partners and over-the-top players. Um, there was definitely uh, in the carrier world uh, concern around capacity and capacity <coughs> offload. Huge issue in Europe. Uh, so lots of solutions, whether it be uh, you know optimization, different rate plans, you know people talking about the death of flat rate uh, over in those markets because they just can't keep up with capacity, uh, Wi-Fi and femtocell solutions, etc., uh, affecting offload. But w one of the more interesting things there was an announcement with Verizon uh, who partnered with Skype. So now you have carriers whose core business is around communication services partnering with a over-the-top. Uh, uh, voice over IP player and what that really struck me and you, you heard it around uh, a, a number of places <coughs> is there's definitely uh, multi sort of uh, headed business models that need to sort of evolve so we're seeing communications and content now sitting up in the cloud uh, they're not sitting on CPE, they're not sitting in the network, uh, it's all software driven and that drives a very different cost uh, economic model uh, now these software guys can scale very, very easily with data centers. They don't have to, you know, invest <coughs> hundreds of millions of dollars in infrastructure. They yep. can scale their solution through software, and, and software really is what's defining communication. And you're, you're seeing also these um, these relationships. So why would a Verizon want to partner with a Skype? There, there's a symbiotic relationship that's happening, right? And these people think that. Um, you know, for Verizon, they can attract clients that they currently couldn't attract, so potentially they don't do well in the Hispanic market, uh, whereas Skype does a really good job in that market. Uh, they also get to aggregate long-distance traffic. And, and then eventually, uh, you know, some of the communication services that happen through uh, these sort of software clients on devices uh, where you can actually start to do things like click-to-call, share video, and they're starting to open up their networks and interoperate with all of the big social networks. So I think it's a real transformation in the way that carriers will eventually approach the world and look mm. at this sort of symbiotic relationship and work with over-the-top players, whether it's a Facebook, whether it's a, a Skype, and uh, figure out these uh, business models that are both self-sustaining. Because a carrier's perspective, you need money to build capacity and uh, and uh, and network. Uh, these other folks, you know, have different business models. So these intertwined business <coughs> models, I think, are, are what you'll see in the next couple of years, uh, and they have to be symbiotic. Otherwise, the system breaks down. Right. So yeah, I see that. Uh, maybe you want to add something, uh, Robert, on that, or add a few things. No, I, I, other than I was talking with uh, uh, the CEO of AT&T, who uh, is the iPhone partner in the United States, and they're having trouble dealing with the growth. Uh -huh. um, the growth of data is going up many percent per month um, as more and more people get data phones, you know, that join the network and are easy to use, and they're seeing far more growth <coughs> than they planned for. And they're, they're hitting lots of struggles <laughs> of scaling that out. Mm -hmm. So there's need for innovation in antenna technology. There's need for innovation in bandwidth uh, sharing between antennas. Mm -hmm. There's need for innovation in the, in the WiMAX and Wi-Fi and the mm -hmm. 4G that'll replace 3G. So they're, they're looking at a whole wide range of things because <laughs> they just can't keep up with what they have. 
how is Nokia doing in innovation and Ovi store in all this converges area, Greg? Well, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, we like to we like to innovate, I guess. <coughs> but I think you know what's really key for us is um, number one, we're a global company, so we look at you know a global landscape. But when we when we talk about mobility, um, <coughs> what we've always believed in is context. And if you think of a mobile device, where the real value is and what's unique about it is it's with you all the time. So what that, you know, from a, a value proposition, if you're developing applications, you're bringing applications, what we think is really going to go over the top are uh, the games, for example, like Foursquare, or, you know, think of healthcare. I've got this device with me at, at any time. You know, I was at the speed skating the other day, and I said to my son, you know, there's no reason we couldn't find out what that guy's heart rate is right now. And, you know, so there's, you know, there's so many things, and I think if you, if you think about where this is going, I, I really think of two things. It's about context. And, and the value that we can bring to users, and then it's about ubiquitous networks because there's really only one internet. So you know everything that's on your TV or your mobile phone or your PC, you know, it's just all one. And I know that's you know if you th look at some of the the operators, uh, you know whether it's AT and T or Telus, you know I know they're looking in this direction of the the three or we like to say four screens out there. So mm -hmm. um, I think those are a few key points that that I would throw. What's out. what's the future of the App Store? Um, well, I, uh, you know, we have an app store. We're, you know, every day, uh, you know, 200 countries, downloads in 200 countries, million to two million downloads a day type of thing. Um, you know, it, it's a good question. Um, <laughs> um, we're, we, I think what you're going to see are different business models. So now you're looking at, at people aggregating traffic. I mean, it's, it's essentially the internet, so how do I make money there? Do I aggregate traffic? Do I sell advertising? Um, you know, it, the days of kind of the a la carte, go there, pay $3 for an application, those are gone. Um, I think you're going to see other very unique maybe healthcare applications that, you know, might come to these app stores, but it's a marketplace. It's the internet and we'll see, you know, uh, we'll see. Okay, so it seems like education, health and entertainment are three major areas uh, for convergence, right? And we're going to be talking about all these uh, throughout the day. So we have another... Uh, you know, 10 minutes or so. Uh, uh, what I would like to do is to actually pass the microphone to the audience. So if you have any questions uh, to our distinguished guests, uh, please do. Said. I just was wondering, I tried to have a iPhone versus Android event, and I couldn't get anybody from Apple to talk. <laughs> and then I was surprised because even Andy Rubin says I cannot talk. If you had to bet, who would you bet on? I bet on Nokia. Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> that, maybe I ask the rest of the panelists. <laughs> and, uh, you know, how much of, I would say, carrier's business do you think will be the application's revenue versus the connection revenue? I, uh, I'll take it back to 1994 when uh, we were on the Windows, Windows 3.1 was out, right? And the Macintosh versus Windows 3.1 was way ahead. Every, you know, I, I was a total Mac fan back in 94. I thought Apple was gonna take over the industry because its UI, its experience, its design was so superior to everything else in the, in the marketplace. And it ended up with, what, 8% market share, right? Why? It's the developers. The developers, if you have a platform that developers are excited about and build for, that is what drives you to buy things. 
So Windows 95 came out and was good enough on the UI, but it had so many more applications than it, the Macintosh or, or other things. And so I, I'm watching right now the fight over developers. When I meet developers, I just met the guy who built the Olympic app, and he's here in the audience. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. He has a million downloads <coughs> of his app, right? It's on iPhone, right? Are you building for Android? And, and what, what other platforms are you building on? Uh, BlackBerry and Samsung and Windows Mobile. Yeah, and so developer, and I keep hearing, the, you know, developers have a common theme when I meet them around the world. iPhone first, because that's where the, the audience of people who want to use, f who try new things are on the iPhone. BlackBerry, because there's a lot of business users and a, a high number of users. Nokia is struggling to get these developers' uh, attention because the users don't try apps on the most of their phones. The N900, I, I was just talking to you, the N900 has a chance of changing that, but we need to see a much bigger commitment from Google on, the, on a large screen, easy to use web phone. And so far the N900 is the first one that I've seen from Nokia that reaches that bar. But we developers pay attention to numbers, right? So N900 is not going to sell well in the United States. And so a lot of the developers develop for the US market first. And that's a, a tough thing that Nokia is having to struggle with. Uh, my, my own intuition is watch Google. Uh, Google might not have the sexiest device. I think no Nokia will have a better camera, a better piece of glass, a better device. I think Apple will come out this summer with an, a better device, but Google's building what I call a reef, and, and it feels a lot more like uh, Microsoft back in 1994. And a, a, a good example of that, that is when I got, I, I bought a Droid, you know, five months ago, four months ago now, and then they gave me a Google Nexus One, and I just typed in my email address. That's it. All my apps showed up, my contacts showed up, and all sorts of other things showed up. So Google is building these seemingly disconnected data things, like Google Docs and Spreadsheets, Google Contacts. If you go to google.com slash contacts, you see all your contacts. Uh, they just came out with Buzz, which is a real-time streaming thing, like Facebook and Twitter, which is ugly on its face, right? It doesn't work as nice as Facebook yet. But if you just, you can't compare one service on Google to one service on somewhere else. It's the reef, it's the connection between all of them that I think is going to be powerful and is going to be a powerful driver and, and is going to, this year, disrupt a lot of people in the industry. Yeah, maybe I'll just add on the, uh, on the App Store. A really simple statistic, if you just look at the number of uh, phones in market per device SKU, like Apple's 10X, than any other uh, OS. So if, as a developer, if you're going to go build something, y you would always build that first because you get the bigger reach for one uh, writing of code. Um, you know, I, I would agree that Google is probably able to stitch it all together. One of the important pieces for people to watch is how does identity managed across all of these disparate systems and how is that shared and who wants, do you want Google to manage your identity either for communications or all of your other properties and access to content? That's a critical piece and lots of the web portal players are playing in that space. So uh, you had a second question that was more How much of your revenue is going to be 
app-driven versus connection-driven. Yeah, so I, th I think there's an undeniable trend that certain things like long distance are becoming commoditized, so voice traffic, so access definitely has a trajectory and it's not generally going to be up. Uh, so you're seeing a, a number of initiatives globally, like for example uh, in Canada, TELUS Bell & Rogers uh, announced a, a commercial pilot called One API, which is ostensibly opening up billing APIs and uh, network APIs for location, messaging, uh, presence, uh, and probably the most important one is billing and really trying to bring in other partners. So that's a revenue stream as we expose APIs and provide billing services or location services or messaging services to people. Um, you know, that's another revenue stream. So it, it comes back to my first point where I was saying, you know, these different business models need to come to, to, the, to the fore, right? So here's, a, here's an example of a different business model. So. You know, there's a free iPhone app. Maybe it's one of the camera stores uh, or properties, and uh, it's a it's a f printing application from your your iPhone, uh, and that application would have to transcend all carriers uh, and devices, and simul simply the the app guy gets a piece of the printing revenue, like uh, or, or maybe if it's a carrier who built the app, they'd get a a, a piece of that that uh, revenue stream. Not so much for access. Maybe the access is free for uploading, but you get a piece of the other. Uh, downstream revenues. So those will become, I think, far more important. So you, you heard announcements like the wireless application uh, consortium that got announced. You, you're going to see a lot of these carriers open up APIs to third parties uh, to try and accelerate those alternative revenue streams, whether it be wholesale or, or their own unique business models. Okay, so unfortunately we're running out of time. It's uh, 9.48 and uh, at 10 o'clock we're supposed to finish uh, this uh, segment. At 10.10 we start another uh, segment for 80 to 90 minutes. So what I'd like to do is uh, to ask uh, our uh, guests uh, to tell us uh, in uh, less than 30 seconds uh, uh, what their Vancouver experience was all about and uh, uh, if you were to come back, what would you do here in Vancouver or in British Columbia? So start with Doc. Well, I can't list everything that I could do here in 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, One uh, thing. <laughs> it, it's been a, a great experience here, um, and, and I'm really interested in, um, there's so much energy in the street and downtown and everything, which uh, is, is um, just so exciting when you get out there. I'd love to come back in a month and then a year later and see how much of that energy persists. Um, I'm really curious about the value of that to a city because they, you have generated it here. Good. Thank you. Uh, this was my first visit to Vancouver, and I have to say that I was totally impressed. And uh, uh, amazing city, as Doug said, tremendous energy. Could be just the Olympics and uh, a couple of tens of thousands of people walking around. But the city has a tremendous vibe. Um, we've been lucky enough to be uh, able to meet a lot of the business community and the uh, innovation community here. And, and for somebody like me, who's an entrepreneur who um, thrives on that stuff, um, I found a very fertile environment, one that I would like to be a part of. Um, I'm not sure how that you know, will take place, but I've uh, been thinking a lot about it. Thanks very much. And I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> Robert? Yeah. Uh, this is my, I think, my eighth trip to Vancouver. Um, I remember coming here and meeting with a guy named Stuart Butterfield who developed Flickr here, yeah. uh, which became the photo sharing service that, and that I, I and lots of other photographers used to communicate with the world. And I'm, I'm meeting a lot of 
interesting small developers like Hootsuite, you know, we've talked this morning, uh, which is a Twitter tool for corporations, uh, Zoma, which makes the iPhone app for the Olympics. There's all these little developers who are building really world-changing technologies uh, from here. And so that if I come back again, and I will, uh, those are the kinds of companies I'm seeking out. So, uh, even though I'm from Vancouver, I'm going to say why. <laughs> I'm going to give both a Vancouver pitch and a Canada pitch. So in, in Vancouver, you got to go to Tojo's. Uh, it has some of the best sushi in the world. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you've, uh, if you've never been, it's on Broadway. Uh, but the, why I think Vancouver's specifically interesting in Canada in general, uh, you, you came here to this beautiful city and you see the rich depth of uh, of of uh, people from all over the world who've decided to come here to make it home. And, and that creates this incubation of uh, global <coughs> ideas, global connections, and, and it really starts to transform uh, Vancouver into a world culture. So for example, my, my niece goes to a high school and I went to her graduation. There was pro it was like a little mini United Nations. And they all came from various parts of the world bringing their ideas. So this fusion that's happening in places like this, uh, I think that's really exciting and it's, it definitely drives innovation. So uh, oh. I think Canada and Vancouver is a place to watch. Thank you. Okay, well then I have to ask you, Greg, uh, same question. Well, no, I, I, mean, I, would, okay. I would completely agree with that. And I'm actually an American. I've lived yeah. here for seven years. And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, with Nokia, we're a global company. I travel all over the place. But I can honestly say there's no place else in the world I'd rather live. And for the exact reasons that Chris mentioned, this is a, a tremendous place to do business because it is so international. And, and when we have, you know, something that needs to be localized in our office, it doesn't matter what language it is, Russian, you know, uh, Chinese, whatever, we've got somebody in that office that can probably localize it. So it's, uh, yeah. it's been fun to host the world here, I guess, for everybody that lives in Vancouver. Okay. Because I guess we, we left the Russians uh, speechless last night. <laughs> 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 all right, good. So thank you very much for uh, all your insights. Uh, uh, we have another seven or so minutes, eight minutes, uh, uh, for a bit of a networking. Uh, unfortunately, we're running all these uh, shows every 80 to 90 minutes. Uh, so please uh, feel free to contact, uh, you know, uh, Doug, uh, Saul, and uh, Robert. You know, uh, Greg and uh, Chris are here all the time uh, when you need them. Uh, so uh, by all means, uh, exchange some uh, business cards. Thank you very much for uh, your attention and let's give a round of applause to our uh, guests.